and welcome into the Celtics Life Podcast. It is time for basketball. The regular season has begun, and it's game time in Boston. This episode, we're trying to contain our excitement when we talk about a few of the major storylines, and then we also lay out our own predictions for the season. I'm Topher Lane here with Justin Quinn. Justin, 1 to 10, where are you at? Opening night. This one goes to 11. Yeah, 11. You're over the scale. <laughs> I I could agree. I'm so psyched. I mean, it's an awesome time right now to be like a Boston sports fan, but I nothing for me. I mean, it's like opening day for baseball and opening night for basketball are like the two greatest nights of the of the year for me. Or greatest days, greatest nights for me. So yeah, totally ten, if not eleven. Completely agree. As always, want to thank you guys for listening. Before we jump in and ask that you subscribe, and if you can, give us a rating ideally five stars or leave reviews that helps us be seen we really appreciate all your guys feedback let's jump in we'll start with terry rogier will not be extended at least before the deadline of the 15th which is the day that we're recording right now he could still sign one this summer what makes sense to you justin well boy well that's a complicated one because really it's not going to make any sense for him to sign one now i was actually surprised they were even saying that it might happen because it just made Mm -hmm. no sense to me yeah, so, so for those who are, are not aware of his situation, he uh, is eligible uh, both now, uh, basically until the end of the day to day that we're recording. Um, and then again, he'll be eligible uh, over the summer for an extension. But it doesn't make any financial sense for him because he will probably be able to get more than the Celtics would like to pay. And there's a chance he might not get what he's hoping for, which is reportedly as high as $20 million Mm -hmm. uh, per year. And basically that is an unlikely figure, even, even in the open market. And he's not going to be an unrestricted free agent. He'll be a restricted free agent. So if all those one year deals and prime free agents coming available this summer, uh, Depress the market, not quite as much, I think, as Marcus Smart had to deal with, but in a similar way, maybe less impinged, but still a little impinged, he might actually be able to to be signed to the deal where next season he'll be on the on the books for a pretty hefty chunk of change. But they would be able to move him, you know, if it was reasonably low enough, like, you know, $15 million per season or less uh, to another team before the repeater tax made it a very brutal salary to deal with. Yeah, well, so th- that's kind of my question is, would an exception or extension maybe be in, in the Celtics' interest to up his trade value because he'd be locked up for a longer period of time? In a sense of that we now know, at least we're, we're like, we have much more confidence that Kyrie is going to re-sign with the Celtics. And that was kind of a concern, like maybe five months ago saying, well, we should not trade Terry because there's a chance we lose Kyrie. And Terry can be a sufficient replacement for him. Maybe obviously not a comparable or a comparable one, but still a, a sufficient replacement. But now that we know that Kyrie is, is a, generally a lock to re-sign, is that a possibility that maybe Rozier becomes more tradable? Now, I don't want to say that we should absolutely extend him exclusively so we can trade him. I think that's a crummy thing for Danny Ainge to do. But maybe that's a discussion that they have. And he, he brings that up with him and says like, hey, man, I can probably get you a better situation if you extend. We can give you the money that you want. And then, you know, you can go somewhere else. And, you know, it'll work out for everybody. Is that something you think is possible? I think it's definitely possible. But 
realistically right now, the Celtics finances are under a microscope by everyone else around the league because they realize that this team is going to be contending for a while. And one of the things that you can do when, when dealing with a team that has kind of painted itself into a corner, much the way the Cavs did at the far end for their own last run with LeBron James, you can, you can kind of predict what they need to do. And if Boston did that, then they'd basically be cornered. Mm-hmm. They would have to move Terry Rozier long-term if Kyrie Irving resigns. Yeah. What they could do is say, hey, this is what's going to happen. You can count on us to give you the best offer out there. No one is going to pay you more if Kyrie leaves. If Kyrie stays and you don't get the money you want, we'll sign you to someplace and then we'll make sure we keep you in the conversation because we both know you'll have to get moved at some point. If, if Kyrie resigns, we'll make sure it's to a place you are happy going to. Yeah. Well, I think there's also – there's got to be some reluctance because I, I'm, I'm sure that Terry is going to be the first name that comes up in trade conversations all season long of, of the realistic ones. I think that he's going to be – smart. Yeah. And I think that with what happened this summer, the Celtics showed their commitment to Marcus Smart. And not that they don't have one to Terry Rozier, but a little bit less so. But because of this – going to take care of business. Yeah. But because of this commitment from – Kyrie verbally, which, you know, we can say, I, I believe that's true that we can get into discussion about that at some other time, but with this commitment from Kyrie, you know, Terry's going to be probably the most available of everyone on the Celtics roster. And I, you know, I mean, maybe this is a possibility of just making sure that before we extend him and before we trade him, that Kyrie can stay healthy after knee surgery in May. After exactly. all of this stuff happened in the last, that. yeah, his extensive injury resume that Kyrie Irving has. So, I, you know, I mean, while we could trade Terry Rozier tomorrow and probably not have any you know, major repercussions, assuming everything works out, there's a possibility that it doesn't. And that, you know, we might have to pull an Isaiah Thomas with Kyrie and that he destroys his hip sometime in the middle of the postseason, and we realize this is a problem. <laughs> yeah, obviously, there. I'm not trying to you can hear that knock on wood. But but it's understandable we're spooked at this point just because of the last season in particular, but really the last season and a half. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it, it dates back further than, than just this year. I mean, it's not like, and like I said, he's got an extensive injury resume. He does. And Terry has been a pretty terrific replacement from a guy that I don't think anybody expected to be so. I want to push back a little bit on the, the Kyrie as an injury risk thing because the the situation that he had last year was a cleanup situation and an infection, which isn't really the, quite the yeah. same thing. But just having said that, there is a certain degree of uncomfortableness I think that we all do have with the potentiality of injury for anybody who keeps missing significant time, even if it's not necessarily something that we should be looking for specifically to be hobbling mm-hmm. in this season. Do you think that we should extend Terry Rozier this summer? I guess if we get down to the bottom line, do you think he's something that we should be considering extending, or do you think it's something that we just plan on on losing at some point? If I could talk him into a deal at 12 per year or so on the Marcus Smart level or less, I would probably do it. Once you get over that, I think that you might as well gamble and see what the market's going to mm-hmm. be for him over the summer because I expect it's going to be about $15 million, and I think that it's worth matching up to that point along the lines I was describing. Yeah, I can agree with that. And we'll obviously get more information on that as the season goes on. I'm sure it'll be 
in most of his press conferences, <laughs> the ones that he has. Similar, did you see Terry trolling uh, Jason Tatum at that panel? And he was like joking about how I didn't know. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> it's just like describe. Uh, it was just I, I. They were just like at some panel. I think it was like a Celtics thing at BC, maybe. I don't remember the exact specifics of it. But Jason Tatum was answering a question, and Terry was like, "Dude, your voice is not that low. Like, come on, <laughs> you're acting for everybody." <laughs> right. Yeah, so, I've noticed that. I have noticed that he went from talking like like this, and now he talks like yes. this. Yeah, he's he's got like he's trying uh, to be more and more What's of a going dude. On there, you know? dude? <laughs> Sorry, that just made me, okay. just made me no, think of it. You're dead. You're great at basketball. You don't need to fake it. It's all good. <laughs> just made me think of it. Also on that, Tatum saying he's less nervous now going into his second season. So it's a combination of both. Maybe he just was uh, he was a little bit nervous and it was that's raised to you know made his his voice higher, maybe. <laughs> and now now that he's more relaxed, he's more calm, and as such, his voice is <laughs> maybe no. All right, this doesn't fit. Sure, this doesn't fit sure. into major news, yeah. but I like it. <laughs> Gotta do what we gotta do, man. Gotta do it. Sparse, All right. sparse pickings this week. Last major storyline is uh, Marcus George's hunt has been waived. Georgia Tech, right? Came out of Georgia Tech. We signed him to a training camp deal, yeah? Yep. yep. Waived. Uh, apparently, he might come back eventually. If uh, Jabari Bird is fully uh, waived, voided, all that scenario happens. But as as for now, Jabari Bird is still under contract until all the domestic violence stuff is, is resolved and the NBA makes its ruling and stuff. It's out of the Celtics' hands for the time being. We have no idea how long it's going to take either because under the new protocol, I believe he is literally the first person in the, the new CBA's domestic violence protocol to go through this panel process. So don't expect a resolution before the start of the season or even before the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. We have no idea how long this could take. Yeah, cool. Well, so that's that's happening. That's a thing. Um, like I said, may come back. Uh, I think that the Celtics liked what they got from him during the preseason and training camp. I think they were relatively pleased with him. So it's, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him re-signed or you know, picked up to a couple 10 days and then we'll see what happens during the midst of the season, once all that Jabari Bird stuff is is resolved. Other quick stories. Uh, Gordon Hayward may be on a small minutes restriction at the start of the season. Uh, and then similarly, Brad Stevens said earlier this week, or last week, I guess, that both, well, all three of the injured stars, if you include Daniel Tyson, the injured stars, uh, have made the most improvement over the last week, which was Kyrie... Danny Tice and Gordon Hayward have all made the most improvements. How does that make you feel after a what could largely be considered a shaky postseason from Gordon? I think it's really the right move, and it's kind of the thing that I've been saying for a while now, that at least with Gordon Hayward, we should not be expecting, you know... I'm actually... Well, let me backtrack a little bit. I'm actually very happy with the lift that I saw that he has on the injured or previously injured foot. Uh, the, there, there's certain, you know, like stop and turn, um, lateral movement, um, like stuff that requires putting a lot of stress on it that while it might be structurally sound, it doesn't look like he's ready to do it mentally. And that's fine. I think that's the way to approach it, to ease himself back into it. And 
you know, given given the minutes crunch that we have on the wing and in the front court, I think that's really the best way to deal with it. Not only just easing him back in minutes wise, but also giving him plenty of rest nights on back to back, particularly mm-hmm. early in the season. Yeah. Well, so I, I, I don't mind it. Um, I think, and I agree. I, I don't think he looked like he was coming off of the injury that he was. Uh, I think the only thing that made him look like he was was his just kind of rust as far as shooting and, and just kind of playing on the floor. You could tell that he was a little rusty, um, which is, yeah. So it, it didn't seem like it was an injury, though. Um, it's, it just felt like he hadn't played in a long time, which is true. Uh, so I'm not I'm not surprised to see a minutes restriction for the start of the season. I'll be curious to see how long that will last because I, I think Hayward is such a competitor that he'll be, you know, he'll be, really wanting to play some time, especially late in games, overtime games where maybe he hits the the cap and Stevens has to say, Nope, we're not we're not gonna put you out there and he's gonna be you now just it's gonna be a fight, I think. So I'll be surprised to see how long it lasts, especially if he starts to pick up and play at the level that he was when he was an all star two seasons ago. But I, I like the the note that he's improved the most over the last week along with Kyrie and, and Tice. Kyrie did look good during the preseason, and Tice looked solid. All 12 minutes he played or whatever. Yeah, but, you know, it's it, they. I, I like what, what Kyrie will be able to do. He showed some, some of his dribble moves. He showed off for the Garden crowd, I think, in Game 2. <laughs> and that was pretty cool. I'm always He looked a little rusty, a too, but he, he looked much better. He didn't. He just looked like he was playing preseason after, after a normal yeah. summer, so I'm, I'm not even remotely worried about him. Yeah, Jason Tatum ranked number five overall as power forwards go by Bleacher Report writers Dan Favale and Adam Fromel. What do you think about him being top five power forward behind number one was Giannis, Draymond Green at two, Kevin Love at three, LaMarcus Aldridge, who I know you're pretty low on, sitting at four. <laughs> um, I mean, as far as power forwards go, you know... LaMarcus is still one of the best scorers in the league, uh, or was last season anyway. I, I will be watching closely how he does this season uh, because he is basically the most important player on the San Antonio Spurs mm-hmm. this season, uh, decimated that they are. Um, if you asked me which of these players I would be drafting or taking in an expansion draft, for example, uh I would definitely only consider Giannis ahead. Yeah. Just because of, of you, you know what you have and you might even get more. Well, and age. And there's no guarantee as good as Tatum is now that he will mm-hmm. get to that level. And what age. I mean, like, if you just look at, I mean, this is obviously a different discussion because number five, it's for the season upcoming, but age, if you were drafting for an expansion draft, because then the next, to round out the top eight, it's Blake Griffin, Tobias Harris. And Paul Millsap, the only guys who are young on that list are really Giannis, Tobias, and Jason. So, I mean, those guys, Giannis is going to continue. I don't know if he's reached his cap yet. I don't think he has. I think Giannis is going to keep getting better. Tobias Harris is actually pretty legit, but not at the level of Jason Tatum. I, I would say Tobias is probably going to sit where he's at. Maybe he'll jump to like five max by the end of his career. But Tatum could take two. As Draymond starts to fall off, I think Draymond cemented it too for the time being. But the rest of the list is kind of up for grabs, and I think Tatum can, can continue to climb as the you know next couple of years unravel. 
So I, I like where he's at now. Yeah, I don't think Love is going to be on this list. No, anymore. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I, I wonder if Love is going to return to Minnesota, Kevin Love, and suddenly put up like 25-15 and just dominate by himself. Because in, in Minnesota, his only competition was like Ricky Rubio and Nikola Pekovic. You know, it's like we're, we're looking at, at you know, a similar team to what he was dealing with in, in Minnesota. And I wonder if he's going to just revert back to his just like dominant ways. What what he got traded for, you know? I think that he's going to put up a lot of inflated numbers compared to his, his last couple of seasons. I don't think they're going to matter very much, though, just because there's like you were basically getting at with the, the comparison. There's not really any other significant scoring options mm-hmm. on that team, at least not now that have developed. Yeah. Uh, I do think that Draymond is worth keeping an eye on, though. Uh, he has been dealing with knee issues all summer long, and it's not clear to me, at least not today, um, I haven't checked very recently, what the status of that is. And he he's a, he's a kind of a, a, a player to, to keep an eye on in terms of just being very reliant on athleticism to get to the ball. And if that starts to fade even a little bit, then he's going to drop pretty quickly. I mean, he'll still be a very good player for probably seven mm-hmm. more seasons, but it's definitely something to keep on. So yeah, besides that, you know, like Blake and Millsap behind them, they won't be on that list next no. year. I don't think maybe, maybe Griffin, yeah, Griffin know, is going to be Griffin. will be on the list right. for a while. Cause he's just, he's, he's an all-star. He's, and he, and he used to be one of the best power forwards in the game. They're just have age has kind of gotten the best of him. So I think, I think Blake Griffin will stay around. Last note of, of news before we head on to predictions and then our own predictions for the season, which is so exciting. Uh, Ryan McDonough, the former Celtics assistant GM, was fired in Phoenix, another Danny Ainge disciple. We've seen a lot of those guys getting dropped lately. I guess lately is kind of a... Because I'm, I'm thinking back to um, Kevin McHale, uh, Ryan McDonough. Who it was Sixers? There was a guy in the Sixers front office who was fired too, right? Was a or no? Zarin? Zarin was considered for the Sixers thing. Didn't get hired, so in a sense, fired. Zarin, Zarin, <laughs> Zarin was considered both both the last time they were looking for a GM before Hinky, and they were interested in him, but he was even less interested, evidently, than the last time, and they never even I think got a, got an interview with him, which makes me very happy. Um, but they are actually talking about doing something pretty similar to what the 76ers have done in elevating James Johnson huh. um, to to be a general manager less well basically two seasons just like Elton Brand with the 76ers replacing the Colangelos. Um I don't quite understand what what I think that's just kind of like a um, GM and name only. Nino, yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know how you say Gimano. that. Uh, it's like a GMO, but um, yeah, Gimino. Yeah, um, I'm not quite sure how that's going to play out. Whether that is to allow the coach to have more power than a typical coach, uh, while also kind of not putting all of their eggs in a Thibodeau basket, so to speak. <laughs> um, but it's, it's really interesting to see because, I mean, unlike the, the 76ers, I don't really think that they give two craps about what the coach that they have now thinks. Um, 
I think that what we're looking at here in this case is less strategy and more of Robert Sarver needing to find a new hobby after retiring from his mm -hmm. other businesses. Yeah, I, I, I think. Because it just seems like. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. The, the, uh, the, the situation with them, they, they seem like they're trying to push through a rebuild too fast with some of the moves that they made looking like they're trying to compete now, which, I mean, they shouldn't. They should really do bad one more season, get one more high pick, and then start to try to look to, to, to do better. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. you know, the man's team, he owns it, he can but, do what he you wants. Know, it's like most of their moves on paper did not look that bad. You know, most of their, their moves on paper looked like probably the right choice. I mean, especially when you look at draft picks, just most of them just didn't pan out. I think the only one that was like seriously questionable was Dragon Bender. But it's like Marquise Chris looked like a good pick. Josh Jackson looks well, like a good, a good, a good yeah, risk. sure. But these guys look like look like solid choices. And it's just, I mean, obviously Josh Jackson didn't turn into the, the player last season that, that they were expecting him to be. You know, as far as immediate impact goes, we'll see how he comes to his sophomore season. Um, you know, I I think that there wasn't really much of a discussion with their pick this season. I think it was obviously obvious choice, and there I I think everything just looked like it should have panned out, and it didn't. And I think it was a combination of just bad luck, and then then it, it was. For McDonald's part, absolutely. Yeah, I, I just, I, I just think that, I mean, obviously the team wasn't where they wanted it to be, and this is like one of their longer playoff droughts in franchise history. But yeah, I, I think just a lot of it was bad luck. All the moves individually are defensible. I just think that they would have been better holding their powder drive to use that incredibly awkward. Um, I don't know what you call that, <laughs> aphorism. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I think that they would have been better if they had waited another season. I think that some of the moves that they made, like the trade that got them Ryan Anderson, like it, it's not a terrible move. I just think that it would have been better had they waited another season and not tried to make moves, not cared about getting a point guard, not cared about doing better this season, and, and just been bad for one more season. I don't think, you know, like they've got, They've got their their franchise guy in Devin Booker locked up mm -hmm. now on a longer term salary. He's young enough, you know. He's very young for someone who's on on a five year salary after being, you know, a rookie. Uh, that they don't necessarily need to worry about him being too old for the rebuild by the time they 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 get around to getting good. So it just seems to me that Robert Sarver doesn't like that he is having these repeated whiffs that, you know, they're, they're defensible whiffs. I don't think that they're all uh, bad moves per se. I just think they're premature. That's really the only problem. And I think that if he waited, yeah, it would have been all right. That's fair. Because there is an upcoming week. We have basketball. Justin, we have basketball, Justin. This is awesome. We have it. What's it's that? back. Three games this week. Philly, opening night, first game. TNT, I think. <laughs> it is Tuesday. Philadelphia. We should probably win that, right? <laughs> Assuming that we don't play like we did in the preseason. Like we do in the like we did in the first quarter against uh Charlotte in game one of the preseason. 
I don't think we're going to be playing like that. I think we win that game. I actually, for a while, I was worried we might drop it just, just because I was worried about the rules. And I don't have any, you know, real solid evidence other than I'm hearing that they are playing better and the limited amount of stuff that I've seen in practice is what you want to see. The game I am worried about is the game after the 19th that. on Friday, Toronto. First look at Kawhi Leonard and the uh, New Look Raptors. That I feel is a team that, while dealing with the same issues, and I said this, I said this last week. We were talking about coming out the gate with with a hard schedule. I, I was actually reversed. I'm kind of after seeing Kawhi looking pretty solid in. Realizing the team wanting to make a statement with the defensive chops to really be able to make a statement against the Celtics, that is a game I'm worried about losing. Yeah. It's not going to be the end of the world if we lose either of those games or even both. Well, of so those less games, about but... that specific game, but in general, our issue with the Raptors has almost always been exclusively DeMar DeRozan. Like, very rarely have we ever lost a game to anybody sure. on the Raptors besides DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> it's like they just haven't been. It, the, he's the only we, when he goes off in the third or fourth quarter and just beats us single-handedly. Those are the only times we've lost to the Raps in the last like three years. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I like it since it's our first time looking at this new look Raptors team. I you know I'm curious. I could totally see us losing it, but also I just Toronto just hasn't been able to play us that well. I don't know what it is. So. We'll, we'll see how it goes. New coach, you know, new starting lineup. No more Demar. Kawhi Leonard looks pretty solid. And when I say pretty solid, he looks like Kawhi Leonard, which is always scary. So definitely, I, I'd be concerned. Um, but then we go back to back next night. We go to New York City and hit up the Knicks with no Porzingis. Should be pretty easy, but those are always games that we find our way to lose. What do you think? Uh, I think that we're going to crush them because we'll be pissed off at dropping right. the game to Toronto. So I, I'm, I'm thinking a 2-1 week is a very reasonable assumption. It wouldn't surprise me that if we end up dropping two and going one and two for the week, but it's also very, very much on the table to to start the the, the season three and zero. You just gave every very, very you possible. gave every single possibility wanna, besides <laughs> that was that was the I worst did, prediction. I did, I know, but I've... I mean, like realistically, I know, I know, I know, but it, like on <laughs> okay, so what I'm expecting is two and one, and I'm expecting us to drop Toronto. So let me say that very, very <laughs> firmly, but uh, like honestly, any potential combination of wins and losses, except. For losing the first two or lose, winning the first two games and losing to the Knicks, that's the only combination that is definitely off. The sure. Okay. Sure. Better. Sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I you? say, I honestly don't think that we're going to win two games. I think we go one and two this week. I, I'm not. I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned about wow, the preseason. Oh, spicy! But I, I just don't think that we're quite. You know, at the beginning of last year. There was a question of whether the Celtics would be able to glue quickly. I think that was the term that was being used, whether the, whether the team would be able to glue. And gel. Glue. Glue? Like, like stick together. Not, not, not gel? 
I, it was a combination of both. There were there were a few of those. Okay. It was around those those those. Now we're, now we're arguing over chemistry. So uh... <laughs> regardless, there was there was that question of whether or not the team would be able to stick together. And after losing the first two, the C's won what like fifteen straight or something. And and that was immediately thrown out the window. It was immediately like, no, they, okay, they're actually stuck together. They're a good team. They they play well together. I think right now that should be a question that's asked again. Not because of personalities or anything like that, but just because it's like there's a lot of different things happening. Uh, while the roster does look similar, it's like we're trying to re-establish how Gordon Hayward fits into the lineup, how we're going to work with minutes restrictions, how we're going to play around with the personalities of Jason Tatum, who was you know pushing for an all-star spot last season, probably losing some minutes to Gordon Hayward. I don't think he has much of an issue with it, but I think it's it's reasonable to ask whether or not this team will be able to gel or glue together immediately. And I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think I'd be less surprised this season if, if it takes a little bit longer to come together than, than it was going to and did last year. Cause I was, I was pretty, you know, I was, I was pretty adamant in defending the team last season and saying, no, I don't think there's gonna be any issues. And this season, I think there'd be more of a problem because of everything that's happened. So I would not be surprised to see us drop a couple games early on have a slow start, be sitting, you know, a lot lower than people think we are, and then pick it up, you know, 5, 10, 15 games in the season and start figuring out how to really play together. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's some time, and I think we saw that in the preseason. So what you're saying is don't react too quickly if things don't go well out the gate. Uh, well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm never someone who thinks you should react quickly on that stuff. So I would always, I would always say don't react quickly, but I, you know, I think there's some high, high, high expectations for this team. And especially with Cleveland out of the East, it's even higher than it was, or well, LeBron out of the East, I should say. But you know, that same, same point. Same stands. thing. Same thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. With, with LeBron out of the East, suddenly the Celtics are the top team and, and there's going to be that much more criticism when they lose a game that much more of you know just this outcry for you know poor performance when somebody you know loses a game when somebody causes a you know when gordon hayward misses the game winning three or something or, or something happens when we're shooting 25 percent from three for the first three games of the season you know it's there's going to be some some serious serious uh outrage when that happens so i think i i would urge fans to let it take some time because we are looking at a lot of different adjustments to this team something that we hadn't had uh last season because we were kind of stuck with it with a shortened roster without gordon we didn't replace him until we got greg monroe like more than halfway through the season so and we're sitting with a shortened lineup this time too just jabari bird wasn't nearly as integral to the lineup as, as gordon hayward was but it's you know, we're looking at a situation where we got to manage a lot of different aspects differently than we had to last year. And I, I would not be surprised if we start slowly and, and fans shouldn't either. So, what do you think that is going to do to me? I still am a hometown fan. I still say the Celtics take the one. As far as the seed goes, uh, I like Philly a lot. 
I don't like them, but I, I think they're a good team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Toronto, I see taking three. The only shakeup in my top four from like last year, aside from obviously Cleveland falling out, is that I don't have the Wizards that high, and I put the Bucks at four, and they would be playing the Pacers as the five. Then to round out my East, I have the Wizards six, Hornets seven, and the Heat taking the eight seed. That's pretty fair. I mean, the Dwight Howard experiment that Washington is engaged in with no real way to grow and some question marks about how Austin Rivers is going to fit into that rotation with Sadoransky. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I don't think that's unreasonable to kind of peg him down. Even like you have him below Indiana, which I think I would also, uh, I was actually a lot more optimistic on the bucks just because the the system that I envisioned their their new coach uh, to be using uh, Budenholzer in Atlanta the way that he coached it just seemed like picture perfect for for Giannis and from what I've seen in in the preseason it looks like that that's exactly what they're going to be doing I mean you can't really use preseason to to judge how the team is going to do overall. But if you want to look at how uh, teams trying to integrate star players are using, like how they're using them, then from what I saw, I expect very big things out of Milwaukee this season. Uh, I do think that between that and, you know, getting one of the Lopez brothers uh, to, to, you know, kind of improve their spacing as well as having someone who can handle like an Aaron Baines a little bit more coherently uh, than they have in the past. I really think that they, either them or Toronto, and right now I'm going to say Milwaukee uh, is going to be my my second team over Boston being the first first seed. Uh, Toronto could easily, for me, switch up to that that, that number two seed. Uh, And I'm actually still pretty low on Philadelphia, at least until I see Fultz. uh, He's going to need to contribute. And he's going to need to be able to shoot to create the kind of spacing they need to really be able to challenge for a higher seed. They could go as high as the second seed also, I think. But for me, for now, I think Philadelphia has a little bit more work to do with their roster before they can really compete at the highest levels in the East. Cool. Um, so run through your run through your top eight. Just okay, rattle so off. Boston, Milwaukee, Toronto, Philadelphia. And then, like you, I have Indiana and Washington for the next year in, in the playoffs. Uh, for me, I was very impressed with Charlotte's coaching. Not so much their roster. I think their roster is going to be fairly similar to what they have with the exception of Miles Bridges and particularly Willie Hernan Gomez, who looked really good. And they're not using him anywhere near as much as I would be using, considering that he's young on a multi-year contract. And in my opinion, is easily, easily their best big. Much better than Kaminsky from what I've seen so far. Um, and then after that... I think we have uh, Brooklyn. I'm just going to throw them in one more time. And then after that, I'm just going to pretend they don't <laughs> even exist anymore. Just because I've been saying this for the last two seasons before this, that they're going to make the playoffs somehow. You know, mostly, mostly, you know, just to spice these predictions up. But like, you know, I was You're becoming more and more sure each year. <laughs> yeah. And like, I don't know. I, they really do have the horses to make it in this year, particularly with a week in the East, but mostly I'm just putting them in there because 
my initial my initial feelings were to leave them out just to negative jinx them as I usually seem to yep. do in the opposite direction. But uh, but what? You say weakened East, and I was having this conversation with a couple guys at work. Like yes, we can the, the Cavaliers. We can the the, Let me be very the Cavaliers clear. are out the of it, but, but we're looking at still like nine, ten, eleven possible playoff teams. Like there's still a fight for the bottom. I don't know, bottom three spots. I think that the top six are relatively locked, but there's still like a bottom or top five are, are relatively locked, but there's still a you know a lot of space to move around near the end of that that playoff picture and you know you got miami who's legit you got the pistons who on paper are legit you have the hornets who have the roster to be pushing for a higher playoff spot the wizards who you know again roster wise should be there all these all these teams probably should be in the playoffs and you know you say it's a weak in east but there's gonna be a, a brawl just a complete It'll be a boxing match for those last spots, and it's going to be just this huge bloodbath. I don't think it's easy to slip into playoffs if you're a mediocre team in the East. Yeah, and you know there is a chance that Cleveland could gel well enough under Love, and also that the Knicks could get back early enough, uh, Porzingis, to actually challenge for a playoff spot, but. Honestly, I believe both of those teams also control their picks, and it would really be in their best interest to really stink at least one more season. Well, for Cleveland, probably. Season, what? How do you? How do you close out? Who's? Who's your worst teams from t- bottom to top, going uh, outside of the well, picture? Atlanta is the only team that is clearly, clearly, clearly tanking with a definitive, recognizable plan. Orlando is just a mess. Chicago seems like they're trying to get better a little bit faster than maybe they should, but some of that might just be the ownership. Uh, I can't really tell if it's, you know, the management or the ownership, but they seem to be rushing things a little bit. Uh, They could even conceivably challenge for a playoff spot with with the roster that they have. It's a stretch, but they might be stupid enough to try it. Um, And then, like I said, New York and Cleveland, it's just too hard to tell exactly which way they're going to go and which way they're going to try to go. Mm Mm-hmm. See, I have Orlando being the worst because they just are bad. I agree, and I'm I'm also I'm also assuming that Atlanta's not going to intentionally tank like Philly style. They're going to like win a couple games. So I have the Knicks as my next worst team, and then the Hawks right above them. I think they're all going to sit, you know, just just above twenty wins. All three of them are going to be around there somewhere, uh, especially depending on when Porzingis comes back for the Knicks. Then you have the Bulls for me, and then the Nets and Cavs, Pistons sitting just outside of the playoffs, somewhere like mid-high 30s for each of them. Who do you see for conference finals? Conference finals, both sides or just East? Both sides. Uh, Rematch of Western Conference finals, probably... Yeah, I think I think that's that stays Golden State and Houston, and then the Raptors. I think make a push to challenge the Celtics for the East. I think because they they just defend. I think they defend the Sixers better than they did last year, and I I don't know new new coaching. I think they could uh, this entirely. We could be like a week in the season, be like, oh, actually no, the Raptors are complete trash. I take all that. I take that back. But 
until they play and I like see them play competitively, I'm going to say they're good. They're a good team. They definitely have the defensive roster to compete with just about anybody in the league. That's one of the best defensive rosters in at least based on previous seasons, how they do it under a new coach with new parts obviously remains to be seen, but I would have taken that. It's really, for me, I think a toss-up between them and Milwaukee. I'm just going to keep riding the Giannis train until I have a reason not to. So for me, for the East, it's going to be Milwaukee and Boston, though I almost went Toronto-Boston also. Um, But out West, I think I'm going to shake it up a bit and say it's going to be the Warriors versus the Jazz. Wow. Jazzy. Jazzy. (laughs) Yep. Nice. They just seem like they are they are doing really, really good putting together pieces, drafting Will, getting Mitchell. I expect him to continue growing as a player. Uh, they definitely, you know, it really depends on what happens in terms of midseason moves. Uh, for me, like the main problem I have with Houston is they are po- more poorly equipped than they were last season on paper to compete. Uh, and I, I fully expect a certain wing player's ego to get in his and the team's way, despite having a better season than he had last season. Speaking about Carmelo Anthony, obviously. Um, I do think that there is a very good chance that that prediction is wrong and that Houston comes out roaring and that everything clicks. You know, we see some good re- uh, preseason results uh, in terms of Melo kind of settling into a less prominent, if still prominent role. Um but ultimately, for me, I think that no matter which of the two it is, it's still going to be the Warriors, even with age and question marks hanging over Durant and, you know, Dur- or, uh, Green's bulky-ish knees affecting him in the preseason. What about you? Who, who do you think comes out of the West? Do you, you don't bet against Golden State? You don't bet against the Warriors? Not just yet. I mean, I might change my mind if they, if they you know, do as well as we did in the preseason uh, in the regular season. Uh, they went, I think, uh, 1-3 also, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I do. I, I put Houston in the finals. I think this is the year that Houston knocks them up. And I, I think that uh, they were just Chris Paul away. I think they would have totally won it if they had been healthy. And Chris Paul tends to find a way to hurt himself in big situations. But for whatever reason, I feel like this year will be different. And if it doesn't happen, you can find me hiding in a bush. If it does, I will proudly show this podcast to everyone and say I called this from day one. But I think Houston takes uh, takes the Western Conference, moves on to the finals. And I think they play the Celtics after a hard-fought, hard-nosed series against the Raptors. And I think that the Celtics come away with it in a six-game series 4-2. There you go. There's my prediction. Uh, the, what do you got? I had the Warriors. You're the Warriors winning it? I had the Warriors wow. versus Boston. I can't and, count on you? No, no, I'm not the Warriors winning oh. it. Oh. <laughs> nope. Nope, I still have Boston winning it 4-3 because I don't want to get run out of town or Mexico, as the case may be. <laughs> All right. But I have it a little bit tighter than you. I, I'm not going to bet against the Warriors until I see a palpable reason to do so. Yeah. Well, you can tell that we're a Celtics podcast with our with our picks. Yeah, I don't think we're unreasonable, though. <laughs> no, I think it's I think fair. it's completely fair. On that note, check out all the links at the top of our blog, CelticsLife.com, where we have a huge variety of shirts, hoodies in our store. And you can get tickets. You can get tickets to all the games opening night on Tuesday, the 16th. It happens. It's in Boston. Get those tickets. Come to CelticsLife.com. You can find them under the heading. 
It's awesome. It's all you need. You can find the pod on Wishka, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and most podcatcher apps. As we said, the head of the podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And if you like what you hear, we're just preferably five stars. Five. If you don't like something, just let us know. However you want to do that, by email, on Twitter, using the hashtag CLPOD. You can even put it in the comments section we read them and we try to listen to you because we want to do this the way you like it the way you want it Wooshka Wooshka new season let's go guys 82 and 0 let's go later y'all